back to Horror Court Trash Over the show to discuss all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And it's Pride Month. It's Pride Month and we are kicking it off in style. We are very proud. <laughs> very proud. <laughs> and we have our very first returning guest on the podcast. Um, you may recall when we discussed the masterpiece that is Anderson Falls. Uh, we were joined by my best friend, Luke Poulton, and he is back today. And uh, he's become a TikTok superstar since the last episode, haven't you? I have. I have. It's weird. Well, that's great. Really good. You've been doing really well. Give us your credentials before people switch off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you just search Vegan Luke on TikTok, you'll find me on there. So, yeah, so, I mean, you've been doing great with that and everything. And, you know, when we were so excited to have you come back on the podcast. I gave you a big list of films. I was like, you know, you could choose from the likes of uh, Queer Classic and Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Uh, we could talk about um, Crawl Intention. So many great films. And you chose Bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so annoyed. Yeah, I was like, oh, Gary's given me this list, but I'm going to search queer horror online rotten tomatoes has a list i probably should have known when this was at the bottom of the list that it was gonna when it was gonna be bad people seem to like this on my letterbox are are we are we old now because i think everyone who likes this on my letterbox is younger than all three of us like and it's a very young person film isn't it like the dialogue and everything. It's trying to do something, isn't it? It's trying uh, to be modern. Yeah, it's, it's trying to get with the cool kids. Because we've, we've seen, God, millions of fucking vampire, or it feels like millions of vampire films. Um, and in lesbian vampire films as well, there's there's a whole slew of them too. So they're definitely trying to do something uh, a bit more modern, a little different. Well, they're, they're desperately trying to be Lost Boys. But there's so many scenes in this where they're desperately trying so hard to be lost boys, and it's like, no, it's, it's just not. It's not working out for you, hun. And we are, of course, talking about Bit, released in 2019, directed by Brad Michael Elmore, who's also directed such classics as Boogeyman Pop and The Wolfman's Hammer. Uh, made on a budget of $1.5 million. Where the fuck did that go? What? Um, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, don't know how much it made, because I assume it's straight to VOD. Uh, I don't have any trivia, but Luke has some interesting facts about the writer-director. Apparently, he's a straight man. <laughs> yes, that's what that's what they say in all the interviews about him. Yeah, that he's a straight man, and the, the reason he did this film is because he, he'd studied a lot of um, trans books. That's what he said in his interview in, in university. That, that is bizarre. Um, I mean, some of the lines of dialogue in this film, I mean, it's, it's not even just, you know, um, gay and trans issues. It's, he, he discusses a lot of women's issues as well. Um, how the fuck does he know what he's talking about? This is, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure it's made with good intention. And, and this is very much a film... I appreciate more than I like. It's not a good film. It's, it's not not even close. Uh, but I, I, you know, I obviously appreciate a film with uh, a predominant trans cast. That's all, always good to see, uh, and it's good to see that we're finally in the stage now where we can get shit films like this with a trans cast. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're finally getting there. We're finally getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean. As much as that side of things is good towards the LGBT representation, the fact that it's written and directed by a straight man, 
it's a little questionable, isn't it? I think my issue is that he has sole writing credit. Yeah, uh, you, you can read your books and you can write your screenplay, but bring somebody in who knows what they're talking about and who's yeah. saying, actually, I don't think this works or, you know, this is really heavy handed. Maybe you should come at it from a different angle. You know, it feels like maybe he didn't speak to any actual women before putting all these, because these are just the issues that he talks about in, in, in the screenplay are issues that we're all familiar with, but he just sort of like puts them out there. Like, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's not dealing with these issues. You're no. just like, there you go. <laughs> you know? I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down actually it. a few lines that he, they say in the film. There's like, there's one line they say, you never turn a man, they already have power, and look at what they did with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but yeah. it feels like that's what he thinks his audience thinks. So he's just going to put it in there as if that's the moment people go, yes! Yes! <laughs> you tell them! You fucking tell them! Because yeah. there's, there's another line where he says, I imagine a world where they say, I imagine a world where every woman is a vampire, let men be the ones who are afraid to jog at night. Yeah. But again, it's like, this is still written by a man, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really heavy-handed. And, and also the style of the film, he, he's very much trying to go for um, Nicholas Wine and Refn, uh, that sort of, like, A24 vibes thing, isn't he? Not working out for him. Um, there's some but, awkward silences, though. There's, there's some staring. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's somebody def definitely watched Drive before... Uh... <laughs> Before making this he, film. he definitely watched Only God Forgives. Um, oh, that's... <laughs> okay, so getting into it. Um, a transgender teenage girl on summer vacation in LA fights to survive after she falls in love with four queer feminist vampires who try to rid the city streets of predatory men. You go, girls. Um, that, that annoys me, that line. The, it says four queer feminists because I know you only see one of them snog another woman and it's like is that the only queerness we have in the film and then the only other part is that the other main woman is with some other with a woman at one point in a nightclub and a guy comes and pours a beer on her head because she's snogging another woman it's like yeah <laughs> it, doesn't feel, it feels weird that they still wrote that on the imdb because it's not that they all are queer it doesn't seem like it, it just seems like two of them are and that's it well, one of them actually tries to make a pass at her brother. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, obviously she could be a bisexual vampire. That's fine. But there's no evidence to show that that's the case. And yeah. I mean, you don't have to ram it down your audience's throat. I, I, I do get that. But when you're making such a big point about it, maybe you should. Maybe you should make a big point about it within the film. If that's going to be your selling point in the plot. Yeah, and, and out of the four, um, the probably the most masculine dressed has pretty much the least amount of lines. Oh, yeah. Kind of there, you know? Yeah, yeah the one that has the cat. The one with, yeah, called it's... Mr. Kitty. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's yeah, the whole personality. Oh, I didn't... Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what that was. Because there's absolutely no development there. No. Yeah, because, yeah, they spray paint it on a wall later on because they do this whole long montage of things happening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is going to show, like, a really big message they've sprayed on the wall. And then it just says, Mr. Kitty. And you're like, where did this what come from? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we start with some opening narration about horny teen vampire films. And I've just got in my notes, oh, great, this, this is what we're in for. Um, yeah, this tries to be meta. It, does, it doesn't. Oh, what, you're work. talking about how in the movie, in the, um, in the opening, it decides to say the line, you're not the hero of your movie. Um, <laughs> this, and then straight after that, this isn't a movie. People, why are people still writing that shit in? <laughs> why are they still doing that? It's it's not even clever either. Like I mean, you know, when you when you look at meta horror, obviously the the big one is Scream, and that's that's what you got to go by. But this just isn't clever or funny in any way whatsoever. And it's listed as a comedy on IMDb. How? <laughs> I don't. I well, but there's never. Did they add comedy after people saw it? I and, think that. Thought, yeah. We've got to say it's a comedy so people know that some of the bits are meant to be comedy, even though it's it's played so seriously throughout that I don't know how you could take that as a comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is um this is similar to what did we discuss last week? It's so bad I can't even remember what it was. Where they tried to play it out like a comedy, but actually didn't list it as a comedy on IMDb. Was oh, it the Curse nun? of the Nun? Curse of the Nun. It was. Curse. It was like it was like a ghost waits basically, um, and and it had like a whole suicide addiction thing going on in that, and and it was played out like a comedy, and and this is very much the same in the way that they're dealing with a lot of serious issues here, but they're listed as a comedy. That how's that going to make people take it seriously? I think you, you can do that. But it takes good writing and, and to be this able film certainly does to, not. you know, make a black comedy that works on both levels. Um, what I didn't, I, I mean, I've never seen Twilight. I know it gets a bad rep. I've never seen it, never been interested in it. But I mean, if you're going to be making fun of Twilight throughout the whole fucking film, you better make sure you're making a good film here or you're just going to come across a bit of a knob. <laughs> Well, you ain't done much better, mate, so let's let's keep... People in glass houses really shouldn't be throwing stones. Do you think the straight guy who wrote and directed this film uses this film as a pickup line? Like, hey, girls, yeah, I made this uh, feminist film. I laugh at Twilight all the oh, way through. <laughs> what was it that I wrote hey, in my... um? Oh, I did actually write that it's like a... They just try and make it a feminist film. But he's definitely one of those guys that feels the need to tell women he's a feminist when meeting well, them. What he includes he, that guy in the montage scene that's like, "Oh yeah, everyone, I'm a feminist," and the next minute they're killing him. That, that's the type of guy that's made this film. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, so we start off with a, a girl that looks very much like the Do You Thinkers girl from Texas Chainsaw 3D. You love that actress, don't you? I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um. She has a snog with some guy in a warehouse, and then she starts talking, and she sounds like Adrian Barbeau in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Like, oh, hello there. Oh, fuck, that isn't the accent. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> what was that you were just doing? Oh, hello there. Every time I try and do an accent on this fucking podcast, I sound like Mario. <laughs> you do it in real life as well. I just... <laughs> can, um, can you do an impression of the uh, Adrian Barbeau sounding girl from this, this film? No, I can't. Just oh. why I have not tried. <laughs> Luke, do you have one <laughs> an impression prepared? Um, I love you too. <laughs> oh, God. That's exactly what it sounds like. There we go, everyone. <laughs> and then the cool, the cool vampire gang show up 
And it's like, oh no, get out! And uh, <laughs> the leader, the, the leader just starts reading the guy to Phil, um, and then bites him before ripping his heart out and setting it on CGI fire. Um, yeah. The the dodgy girl, the dodgy accent girl, um, has been told she has to accept the rules. No fucking boys. Then we get a title card. I mean that that sets the uh, the mood, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but I was a little confused because somebody who definitely did not have an Eastern European accent said, here's how my story begins. <laughs> um, turns out that that's not because she's not even in that scene. Um, so it's just a little confused. I was like, well, what's going on here? Who's this? Who's the narrator and who's, you know, the antagonist who's the protagonist? The narrator is cool girl Laurel, who uh, graduates... Goes to a party where a drunk guy uh, tries chatting her up by telling her he admires her. I hated that. Um, they thought they were really clever with that shot where they threw their hats in the air oh, and God. the camera pans up into the next shot of them in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some I... of yeah, some of the um, shot transitions in this film are fucking bizarre. I, I really don't know what they were thinking. There's one with a cigarette later. On. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm going to talk about it later on, but there's one with a cigarette end. And it, it changes to someone else's cigarette, and it's like, oh, stop it, please. Just, just stop. I like the one where she closes the door and then opens it again, and then she's somewhere. <laughs> that, yeah, they they thought they were really clever with doing that, but it's like, uh, we, we can't drive. We can't drive in this film. We can only open doors. We haven't got we haven't got the budget to be able to let you drive the streets. <laughs> what upset me throughout the film is it's meant to be like a woke, very modern. Mm. I hate that term, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, very oh, modern, so woke young. film. I <laughs> know, I sound so young. Um, but there's like red cups, these plastic red cups used throughout. <laughs> it's ridiculous. How terrible for the environment. Like these red cups, there's like hundreds of them. And they're drinking, they're drinking cans in the back of the pickup truck. I think that scene annoyed me the most because they were talking and you could tell there wasn't actually anything in the cans. I don't know why stuff in films bothers me that much. But they kept swallowing and I could tell, you haven't actually just swallowed anything. <laughs> why did you have to pretend to swallow a drink? Some, some generic beer can with like a sticker on the front because <laughs> of advertising. Um, yeah, so I mean, the drunk guy chatting her up at the party, telling her he admires her, he's, he's that... That drunk guy is me from every every night out or every party where if you tell him you're gay, he's like, oh, I don't mind the gays, um, but if they don't rub it in everyone's faces, he's that kind of guy. Like, oh, so I so he, he yeah, he's telling her he admires her because she's trans. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't get like, no, I sort of thought that, but I think if you hadn't have read the IMDb plot, you'd just be watching the film being like. He's just saying he admires her, and and that's it. Like Absolutely. maybe that's why they had to write that as the plot online. But it also just feels a bit weird that they wrote that still, because yeah, it just yeah. doesn't really pay much purpose to it. Absolutely, and and this is the thing. This is why there should be more of a point about her being trans, because you know, it, again, it's just a throwaway line for anyone who hasn't read the plot, and that's ridiculous. You know, you. <laughs> You shouldn't have to read the plot before watching a film. Do, do you think where we want to be is that we can have transgendered actors and actresses be in films and then not having to make a big deal of it, it mm. it's not, where it's not the point of the film. That's where we want to be. Yeah. Where, you know, they can get work in whatever sort of film is, is being made. 
But if you're going to make it a plot point, if you're, you're going to try and address it, if you're not addressing it properly, we can have a fucking 10 minute flashback to the 1970s disco. <laughs> but we can't but we can't deal with that if you're just going to mention it then you have to deal with it and you have to show us something you know of uh, this character Laurel's past for us to understand because I went throughout this whole film not knowing I, I had no idea because I'd never you know I shouldn't have to read IMDB mm. to understand your film and and now I've got all these notes which make no fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> Should have read a plot. I was like, no idea. I had absolutely no idea because they kept mentioning it but not dealing with it. Yeah. You know, so I was I've I've been rendered confused. Uh, I'm I'm probably just going to leave the room if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. Bye. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> um, she she has a boring the first of many boring chats. Um, this time it's with her gay friend Andy. Uh, and it's all about moving away and her brother being sexy. Andy is not 18. Let's just get that out there. I'm going to yeah. say she she doesn't... Laurel doesn't look 18 either. No. <laughs> like, she doesn't look like she's just graduated. No, that's very true. No, none of... I don't think anyone in this film looks no, their age. No, no. Um, yeah. Um, my, my apologies if you are actually 18. Yeah, I do... I thoroughly apologise, but it, <laughs> maybe, you know, it's camera angles. Wow. Um, yeah, so Andy's an interesting character, isn't he? No, he's not. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he generally doesn't. He's just there to give a bit of exposition about her moving away. And, that. and I just I just lost interest in all these fucking... I don't mind dialogue-heavy films, but they just talk shit. It's just words. that they're, they're not discussing anything, really. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. In terms of the film. So, yeah, we get that scene. We don't see Andy again for a while. I mean, this is the moment where you could establish... Um, uh, I'm going to say Laurel. Do they, call it, do they pronounce it Laurel? How do I they think pronounce it? Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's spelt. Yeah, it's spelt a bit different. It must be Laurel. I think that's just, yeah. 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 So that's being common. <laughs> Laurel. 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 have been living on North too long. Yeah. Um, but this is where you could establish that history of, of you know, yeah. Laurel's transition and, and yeah. her time at high school. But no, they're just talking shit. Yeah. Um, Lawrence. Lawrence? Lawrence? No, that's Lawrence. definitely not the right person. <laughs> Laurel, uh, her parents see her off the next day. And <laughs> notes that haven't aged very well. I had down here. The acting really isn't terrible. That changes soon. Are you serious? <laughs> I bet parents struggle to show emotion oh. for the sake of crying. The mum like scrunches up her face to pretend she's crying. <laughs> what do they say when she leaves? Did anyone get that down? Well, she's gone. Let's go have sex. <laughs> oh, is that what they said? Yeah. Like, what is it? She can yeah. have sex. No, let's go have sex. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the dad laughs and then that's it. You never see them again. Later on, (laughs) we get an amazing song. Yeah, so we've had a very long-winded scene of her saying goodbye to her parents. Um, Very, very awkward. Very um, awkward silences as well. Um, But we've established the mum as a very worried character. She's worried about Laurel and her time in LA and what's going to happen to her. 
Um, so then we go into a song where the lyrics go, she's got more friends than me. She's got more drugs than me. Everybody loves my mum. Everybody loves my mummy. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. The watch just played out. Well, yeah, yeah it's... it's... It's why, why would the because the credits start coming up at that point, yeah, to show all the everyone that's and then it's like wolf, wolf men, yeah, is it wolf men of Mars or something that did the uh, <laughs> did the score? Um, yeah, I mean, well, whoever the singer is, her mum sounds like a really interesting person. I mean, you know, fair play to her, but um, with the main character driving to LA with the opening credits coming up. This is just so out of place. Like, yeah, her mum gets two fucking scenes. Yeah, but but it, it even what's been established of her mum's character, it just it just makes no sense. You know, you should. I don't want every song to be like. Then I got in my car and I drove to LA <laughs> and I'm stuck in traffic. I don't want. Oh, it to here's be some like opening it. credits in the right hand yeah, corner. I don't want it to be like that. But also. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna say something about what's going on, or it's gonna fix. It's just like lesbian vampire film. Oh, then yeah, then she's like, then she gets a burger, doesn't she? So I'll go, I'll go stop and get a greasy, greasy burger and cheese, <laughs> or something like that. I don't remember. It's just... I think I think collectively we've just wrote a better song than everybody loves my mum. <laughs> it's not a bad song. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. Um. <laughs> Laurel has now been asleep for three hours and her brother wakes her up and they just talk shit for a bit. Wake up, nerd. Yeah, she's, oh, she's such her. a nerd. Ugh. Whatever evidence have we got that she's a nerd? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Laurel gets ready. She puts on a hideous necklace thing. Um, and then they what go is out. it? Yeah, shoelaces and... What is it? It's a hamburger and something, it's she says. She loves a burger. Well, we know she loves burgers now. That's, you know, character development. Um, we get really terrible cheap shots of LA as they drive along in an Uber. No, but here's, like here's, the, thing, here's the thing that bothers me about this part. He says, because she's meant to be meeting his friends, he says, hurry, they'll be here any minute. <laughs> they then both get in a cab. Where are the people that are meant to be turning up? <laughs> and then when they're in the club, he says, oh, my friend's cancelled. You said they'd be here in a minute. Yeah. What happened there? Cancelled a minute away. <laughs> yeah, her brother, Mark, he um, he's definitely the worst actor in this film. Um, but he's meant to be an actor in the film as well. Yeah. He's meant to have an acting career. Yeah, he, he's meant to have an acting career. Um, his line you delivery... Can tell because he's got, um, like, reels on his wall. <laughs> and, like, ran, really random movie posters. Um, yeah, his line delivery is bizarre. Uh, it, it always sounds like he's trying to rush his lines, but he just can't be asked to say them at the same time. And he also just adds fuck into every sentence. Oh, I'm so glad you're fucking here. Oh, it's my fucking sister. Let's go and meet our fucking friends. He's like, he's like a child that's only just learned how to swear. Yeah, and, and we need to establish here that he seems genuinely pleased to have his sister there. It's the only time in the fucking film. Well, no, it's, it seems to be until the very end where he suddenly says, Nah, I never loved you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> 
So they go to a club. Um, the bouncer is IDing people who are clearly in their late twenties, early thirties. Um, I think they do that in America, though. I think everyone just has to have ID. Twenty-one, you got to be to get into clubs. So she's got a fake one, isn't she? Yeah, vampire leader Duke. Um, in a bizarre series of events, she uses Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, I was gonna say she turns into Obi Wan Kenobi, and then. (laughs) And she—that's not even the only time she does this. Uh, to tell the bouncer to let some guy go into the club. But since when do vampires have Jedi mind tricks? That's what glamour is. Is it? You know how they mention glamour? Yeah. It's not just putting on a bit of lippy and some eyeshadow. It's Jedi mind tricks. That's what they, they, they refer to it as glamour. That's what they call it in all vampire films, isn't it? Glamour. Is it? Yeah. I've never heard of this before. Glamour. This is oh. news to me. Well, don't, don't you see in a lot of vampire films when they hypnotise? Well, they certainly didn't do this in Vampire Killer Barbies. No, no they certainly didn't. Um, they well, apparently, they, apparently it's glamour is a supernatural form of mental compulsion or or influence that is specific to um, vampires, but that's only saying True Blood. Ah, uh, of course they're trying to be True Blood. This I've never seen True Blood. But what I've seen of True Blood. This is definitely trying to be true blood. There's that, that sort of style to it. But isn't that in vampire folklore anyway? I'm sorry, vampire expert. Fucking hell. And Ryan Soberer, <laughs> give me the deep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know you wrote the book of vampire love. Well, you know, <laughs> learn something new about me every day. So Laurel has a literal bop. I mean, she's literally standing there bopping her head up and down um, to the really cool band playing in the club. They're definitely not playing live, and everybody looks like they're dancing to something way more moody. Don't even. I had that down. No one in the crowd knows how to move to the music. <laughs> one guy is like head banging. Um, the the band on stage looked like electronic version of Heart, um, <laughs> which, which I appreciated actually. I quite like that song. <laughs> Can't remember how it goes, but okay. Well, it could, could have been that memorable, could it? <laughs> Um, Laurel aggressively pushes a guy for making us fill a drink, and Duke has her eye on her, doesn't she? Does she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's watching her when she pushes the man against the wall. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's quite impressed, isn't she? Um, so her brother, Mark, um, she, he gets ignored by a girl that he's trying to chat up. Even though we were meant to, he was meant to be established as a handsome guy that people would want underwear pics of. <laughs> I'm not sure I want. I'm not sure I want an underwear pics of him. <laughs> well, I mean, we get it a little later, don't oh, we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, spoiler! Yeah, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> um, an old man stares at Laurel for way too long. <laughs> no, but what about what about what they say at the bar when the person comes over to speak to her, and she says K, <laughs> and she says, "Is that something you say around here, K?" <laughs> I got down too many, too many terrible lines from here. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we're introduced to Izzy, who uh, introduces herself at the bar by asking, "What's with the hamburger and cheese string on your neck?" We're all thinking the same thing. Cheese string? Yeah. Is that what she said? Not cheese string. Was it the hot? She no. cheese string. He says, so "What's up with the hamburger and shoelaces?" <laughs> that stinks. Were you listening? Were you were you hearing different 
words when watching the film. I wish I was a different film, if I'm, if I'm honest. We didn't put the subtitles on for Gary, unfortunately. I had to put the subtitles at one point, just, oh, it's a bit later on, but it's a point that doesn't make sense, and I have to say it, but, yeah, I had to put on subtitles just to think, did they really just say that word? Because it doesn't make sense in, in the film at all, like most of this. <laughs> Izzy points out Duke and Laurel thinks that she looks intense um, and then invites her to their bar, doesn't she? Um, She does. She goes about telling the brother. Yeah, which he seems to not have an issue with. Uh, I I don't know why. Yeah. He he looks round and she looks round and he's talking to those um, two women. And I think that's why she just leaves, doesn't she? Uh, Oh, okay. So, yeah, so they're on their way out. Crazy Ralph stops Laurel and lets... (laughs) Uh, don't go. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. What the, how the fuck did I miss Are this? Okay? And she goes, "Get off, get off me, old man." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't explain himself. Um, so I, I don't actually blame Laurel for not, you know, believing the random old guy that had been <laughs> eyeing her up at the bar, <laughs> saying, "Don't go." <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, then we're at the the bar. They've gone from one place to another. Both places looked quite similar, so I was a little confused. Um, so at the new place, there's a pool table. Duke wins a game of pool. So a guy has to get his dick out for her. <laughs> nice, wasn't it? Yeah, you don't get to see it. No, um, no unfortunately. But, yeah. She's playing pool with Roya. Uh, the, the character you mentioned earlier gets absolutely no development. Um yeah, and for some reason, because she wins, that means this guy has to get his dick out. They're doing everything to make it clear that the place that they're in, this bar, is a shithole. It, it is, yeah. It looks like it would be very cold. I yeah. I don't know why. Um, I think these things... Because vampires. When I switch off from the actual plot, I start thinking about, <laughs> wouldn't it be cold in there? Because, <laughs> yeah, there's just that random drain on the floor as well, where... She walks in and can hear a woman is down the drain and just goes, ah, that's not, that happens at every bar. Let me just walk. Let me carry on walking through the bar. So, oh, oh, a drain. Oh, I'm just going to look at it for a few minutes. Um, and Okay, I'll move on. Um, the music can't have been very loud for to hear this woman screaming. No, no. Well, the thing is, um, obviously, this is going to come back yes. within the film. Yeah. So we need to establish that there's a weird voice coming from the drain. Uh, Duke asks the guy who's got his dick out if he has enough blood to make it work. So she <laughs> takes him and his friend upstairs. Um, Laurel and Izzy go to the roof uh, of the bar where they chat more shit. And the exact lines of dialogue um, are delivered. We're supervillains. Did you invent an app or something? Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean? So she's wondering why they have so much money. Which is never really I thought it was in response anyway. to a saying she's a supervillain. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I so interpreted it differently. She said we're supervillains and she said that straight after. <laughs> yeah, that's just bad dialogue. Right? Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. But the whole the whole idea is that they have this really cool bar warehouse place. So how did you get all the money for it? <laughs> and uh, apparently Inventing an app is how you make money yeah. these days. <laughs> well, no, being a music video director is how you make all she this money. Oh, yeah, it was. I filmed a few videos of my brother on his skateboard, and then people <laughs> saw that, and it just went from there. 
that's how how you make money. Yeah. Oh yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, she ain't working the mines, is she? She's gonna <laughs> make money somehow. <laughs> it's a modern film. She's gonna make modern money. Um, unfortunately, she asks Laurel what she wants to do for a living, and this leads to a very long conversation. And and it just again, I I, I just lost track of what they're talking about. Yeah, I think the whole idea is that Laurel was very indecisive about what she wants to do with her life, um, which is wonderful, but <laughs> it isn't really what the film's about, so it no. feels like wasted time. Um, yeah, it's never really fully developed her character no. <laughs> in that way, so it's like, why are we wasting my time? Why, yeah. what, what is happening here? Well, thankfully, the conversation ends and they start making out. And then we go to Duke handcuffing the guy to the bed. Um, they want to have his dick out and uh, tries to get it on, but he's not hard yet. So uh, she tells him to watch while she does it with his friend. Um, and then, uh, did this give you, did this remind you of Vamp? This is actually, this is definitely trying to be Vamp. I think so. And there's little snippets of so many vampire films it's hard to keep track yeah of these references and and so just it's any yeah. film that isn't twilight apparently <laughs> it's very it's reference heavy but it's like not even in a clever way no it's just no. like he saw other films and just thought yeah let's just try and copy that scene exactly but not even make it act like a homage in any way and yeah, they, they couldn't afford to uh, film at a fairground. No. <laughs> um, Duke fights the guy's friend and kills him and informs uh, Todd, the guy tied to the bed, that Jimmy's dead as fuck, yo. <laughs> so that's the thing that happened. Um, she then lights a cigarette and tells Todd that he's dead because of something he did with a girl called Claire. Lots of close-ups of cigarettes. This is that transition um, where you see the close-up of her cigarette and then it goes into Laurel's cigarette. It's like, really? That's just so cheap-looking. I don't know what they were going for style-wise with that. Well, you do. I mean, oh, with that particular? Yeah. I was going to say. I'm not sure. Um... I mean, the hunger? Are we getting the hunger vibes? I, I don't think they've... They smoked a lot of ciggies in, in the hunger, didn't they? Um, not not enough floaty curtains, though. No. Right. Like. <laughs> um, we find out that now that Izzy and Laurel have... Uh, oh. Have they just made out for a long time, or did they have sex on the roof? Well, that's the really weird thing. It's meant... So, It's it doesn't... It acts really weird, because it's meant to be Laurel's, like laid on her back almost looking up at the sky and she's got a cigarette in her mouth and it's like is this meant to be doing all those scenes when people smoke a cigarette after sex is that <laughs> is that what this meant to be just right now and then no it's just like they're just still just sat there and, and, yeah, but then, and then she says oh my first night in la and it's already the best night of my life well you've not had a very exciting life then have you heard i mean and then <laughs> and then she says not to sound emo but can I see you later? What's what's emo about asking someone if you can see them later? That is, yeah. Oh. That's true. 
the whole idea is that this this is the the best night of her life where <laughs> she's been able to be true to Go herself. To bar. Yeah, but but then sort of you know if, if this is the lifestyle that she wants. And that would mean a lot more if we actually knew why that was the best night of her life and the tough time that she was having before this. But yet again, we get no real, no. true backstory. No, instead, Izzy tells Lauren it's a one-night thing, and because Izzy storms away, she bites her. Um, and then Duke arrives and reveals that she likes Laurel because she reminds her of someone that she used to know. Oh, I wonder who that is. Can't be herself, can it? Oh, okay. Oh, come on, it's the biggest cliche going. We all knew that was coming. Um, Sorry. Duke then throws Laurel off a building and into a bin. She does, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then we find out the, the roles that um, they can't die from sunlight because this film just completely changes every single vampire role. <laughs> we, so they can't die by sunlight, but then still only go out at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, Laurel goes back to her brother's place, and he's fuming. Uh, and, and he says, Jesus fucking Christ, what happened? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, what happened? I, f- I fell. Don't worry about me. I fell over. <laughs> my friends left me. <laughs> said, oh, yeah. I, this bite mark on my neck. Oh, yeah, I, I fell over. Yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's believable. It, it's for me. It's the surprise that the friends would bail on her. Like, of course, they knew each other like what an hour, two hours. <laughs> of course, they bailed. <laughs> um, she has a very short flashback to Duke licking her teeth, and then after this, she wakes up, and Mark makes a big deal that she woke up at seven on a Sunday. We didn't know what day it was before. Well, that's the, that's the thing that confuses me about this scene because. She falls asleep in all her clothes. Yeah. And then wakes up in a blue pyjama top. Like a long blue pyjama top. Did How did she get changed in that time? Are we meant to think that it's a few days later? Well, I was a little confused. Because I, I felt like the whole idea was that she slept for a whole day. And then woke up on a Sunday. And he's like, it's a Sunday. But then obviously the clothes have changed. And it's like a pyjama top. And one of the sort of shoulders comes down at one point, and I, I don't feel like there was any underwear, which makes it really weird. Because if the whole idea is that her brother got her into a pajama, I just find that a re- <laughs> really weird. While she was asleep for a whole day, like what, what is what's going on here? What is the narrative? That's, yeah, that is what I was sleep? wondering. I um, hope, hope that's not what it was meant to be. I hope it wasn't either. I mean, like a bit strange. Um, do you think the brother wasn't available for filming on the day of the next scene, where they're having a conversation and you can just see her? The camera's underneath a table. Beautiful and... shot. <laughs> oh, I love this. Oh, what, She's when, just yeah, there talking. You need to eat, and it's yeah. just. <laughs> he just does a voiceover, and then when she leaves the room, he runs so fast that you can't tell it was actually him. Costs in it. I I just love how beautifully shot it is from uh, <laughs> a low angle for a glass coffee table. Um, I love the uh, 
close-ups of the quinoa. I'm, I'm assuming it was a quinoa. Some, some I wasn't sure, but it was really crunchy when she started moving the fork around. Yeah, undercooked. Um, she didn't appreciate it anyway, because she goes and froze up some blood yeah. after one, <laughs> one mouthful. Um, but yeah, it's a weird, it's that kind of weird LA lifestyle where they'll eat health food, but she's always got a ciggy in her mouth and uh, <laughs> goes out drinking every night, each to their own. Um, yeah, we get random shots of Laurel on a swing while something makes noises in a bowl. Uh, but it's a stylish dream sequence, of course. Uh, she loses her teeth. They go down that drain from the club. Um, Duke stares at her for a bit. I, I got the visions of Laurel in a... Uh, now, I'm not sure. A Monica Lewinsky pantsuit on a swing <laughs> with her hair like, pulled back. And what was that about? What was that? <laughs> It's just weird that they never do anything like this again in the film. No. Like they just do this scene and then it never happens again. <laughs> so, again, this should be establishing a character. You know, this is our main character. Can we get her established, please? Can I, can I actually know who this person is? Apart from, you know, she's been bitten and uh, she can never make a decision. That's all we got. So we get flashbacks to a swing rope in front of a house. What does that mean? What's that giving us? Well, you ain't going to find that anytime soon. Uh, because the next scene is stolen by her brother, who's now finally in his underwear. Oof. Contain yourself, guys. Oof, no. What a hottie. What a hottie. Yeah. <laughs> his underwear. I have issues with it. It's fucking huge. Like, it's far too big for him. It looked like he just, yeah, it, it's weird because it looks like he's just in shorts. And then the woman yeah. comes to the front door and says, Nice boxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't be in my living room in my own boxes. Oh, um, my own boxes. <laughs> That's what it says. Whose boxes is it gonna be in? <laughs> um, yeah, she doesn't get the photo for a gay friend though, like he requested. Um, the vampire girl band show Probably up. Filmed anyways. Yeah, that's true. The vampire girl band show up to see Laurel. Um, that's when one of them compliments his boxers. Do you mean the hex girls? The, the cheetah girls. Is, that's is, later yeah. on. <laughs> they get so many different names. The hex girls. Spice the world. Spice world. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. yeah I'm, so what is that line? Yeah, where he says, um, "If I, I'd be hanging out with Spice World too if I was you. <laughs> Spice World? That's the film, mate. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> They're all representing the film because we all know it's a classic. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, reference to Cheetah Girls because we really need you to talk about a film, like an, a, about a band that lasted from 2002 to 2008 <laughs> in a film released in 2019. <laughs> um, Cheetah Girls doesn't really fit uh, anyway. The Cheetah Girls no. are more, you know, I don't know. Um, camp Dis- they, were, they were Disney Channel as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he says, Are these the fucking assholes that ditched you? And uh, then he just won't shut up whilst the vampires are just trying to talk to Laurel. Um, and then they leave the house to go out for a bit. Now, what about what about when he goes to look at the time though? <laughs> he says, he, he says, Oh, it's like 10 past one. Um, <laughs> And he just he looks at his wrist though, and there's nothing on his <laughs> wrist. <laughs> and he still says the time. This guy's a fucking idiot. The film maybe, maybe would have been a little bit better without him. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, they all they all leave the house apart from him, of course. Uh, and <laughs> because we need to know she's indecisive, Laurel says, "Am I a vampire now?" And uh, Duke says, "Do you want to be?" And she's like, "I don't know." She's just for fuck's like, sake. I don't know. I don't know. Make your mind up. And then she asks how much she could. If does she get drunk when she drinks? And they say, "You can get as lit as you want." <laughs> is the writer of this film because I, I don't mean, I don't even feel like it's us not relating to the dialogue I feel like he's an older guy writing what he thinks younger people talk like if we tried to collectively write a screenplay <laughs> that tries to be as 2021 as possible <laughs> do you think this is what we'd sound like fuck no <laughs> because the same thing that happened with the Spice World scene straight after he says that line he goes Call of Duty? Call of Duty! <laughs> it's like, why is there so many modern horror films now? The only computer game they can talk about is Call of Duty. It's like, true. Cabin Fever Remake did it. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy Island did it. And it's always in other films that before someone gets attacked in their home or whatever in a home invasion movie, the teenager is playing Call of Duty <laughs> in their bedroom. But then what other games would you... <laughs> Oh, Super Mario World 3D? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Breath of the Wild? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, guys, should we play some knowledge is power now? <laughs> <laughs> That's your reference. Yeah. Um, and, and just going back to my point, is if you did write a screenplay, Gary Cruz, and you had to reference a girl band, it would absolutely be Spice World. So don't even deny that. Yeah, that band Spice World. Yeah. No, we'd reference Spice World the film because you have to. You, you know, it's mandatory. Um, but I would have probably said Sugar Babes if I'm honest. Sugar Babes, could you imagine? <laughs> but what lineup? Girls allowed. Girls what lineup of Sugar Babes, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, your fucking friends, Girls Allowed, turn up. Oh. <laughs> How are the Saturdays? <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, um, we? but it's, it's still. I mean, Call of Duty is still a really shit reference, and it just—that's it, the height of pop culture for the writers of this film. Then, well, I suppose it'd have to. I just can't think of another game, if I'm being honest, that wouldn't sound just really weird. Still say. Well, any would really. I mean, you could just say, "Oh, um, should we just play a game?" Or so. I, I don't fucking know. Back in the day, when it'd be like worms, <laughs> just like, <laughs> should we play snake? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get the line of dialogue. My life's already played out like a horror movie, most of it. And that's when Chris turns to me and was like, "How is this not a fright fest film?" Oh, <laughs> again, again, we get. Oh, did you try to kill me last night? Does that scare you? Not really. My <laughs> life has pretty much been a horror movie. Ooh, are we going to get a little flashback to how Laurel's life has been a horror movie? Are no. Will we, we establish this stuff? No, no, we're certainly not. Um, Duke has a very long monologue about being a woman in society. <laughs> written by a man? Written by it. So this is where I went to IMDb and I said, does he have soul writing credit? Even if he was a, a, a queer man, um, it still kind of, you know, gets somebody in to co-write a screenplay if you're going to be talking about women and 
I hate the term, but women's issues. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a better term for it, but you know what I mean. If you're going to deal with that throughout the whole film and have a very lengthy monologue from a character, try speaking to a woman and seeing what she thinks. <laughs> because I did not think this worked at all. No, this monologue. No. Their whole, yeah, the whole thing that doesn't make sense is that they say, oh, we target the trolls. We're a ter- terrorist organisation at best. <laughs> it's like... You're four women. What's the terrorist organization? Like, how does that? Yeah. <laughs> that... I would understand if all of a sudden the film changed and it was like, there are loads of us vampires around in this city that are going after men. But it's like, there's never that in the film to make you be like, okay, the terror- terrorist organization thing might make sense. But it's like, if you're meant to be doing good as well and getting rid of these people, why would that make you a terrorist organization? Exactly. Yeah, it's a really weird choice. This entire scene, like she hands Laurel a cure, um, and she's like, "Oh, this will turn you back before you feed and whatever." And then she says, "They kill eighty percent of people who deserve it, twenty percent innocent." It just it goes on for so long. It's not subtle in the slightest. Um, I, yeah, I just I get where they're coming from. I get what they're trying to say, but. It's it's just so badly written that you just can't take it seriously. And unknown who wrote it as well, you know, it just completely takes any impact away. Yeah, and I I think it's... My issue is that there's no clear hero or anti-hero, no clear... I mean, we have a protagonist, which is Laurel, but then we're not sure who the antagonist is. So you get somebody, you know, who was going around killing people... Um, in in Duke for what she perceives to be, you know, a reason of, you know, their ideology or how they treat women or, you know, almost like a vigilante Mm. rather than a terrorist organisation, as as she described it. Um, By the end of the film, she's our antagonist. Yeah. So are we, so how are we meant to feel about her ideology then? If we're, if we're kind of agreeing with it, in a kind of weird way, mm. because obviously we don't condone murdering people for any reason on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Just in the case anyone's, uh, you know, <laughs> any police officer listening. <laughs> That's a, the thing that doesn't make sense about the scene, this whole scene after the thing, is they drag out this man, and the first thing to introduce him is that he listens to the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah! yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why did why did you open with that instead of that he frets women online? Like, yeah, why yeah. did you open with, oh, yeah, he likes to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and say stuff online. It's like, I know you're trying to be relevant and Joe Rogan podcast is something that a lot of people know about and it's meant to be that it's, that it's all like incel men or whatever that listen to, <laughs> to, to it, but it just felt a bit weird that they threw that in there that it was oh, just Joe Rogan like to try and be relevant but just not working at all. Yeah, and this entire scene is where the dialogue is at an all time like I mean it starts with the first rule of bike club. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to sound cool. <laughs> yeah. I forgot I forgot about that line. Why'd you have to remind me of that? <laughs> and then and then they're like, oh what 
what should we call ourselves? Like, oh, what about Bit Girls? No. <laughs> but the thing that annoyed me about that is that no one makes a joke about Bitcoin. Like, yeah, they're not even clever. I know it's not the cleverest joke or whatever, but it's like if they no, they just said, "Oh no, that doesn't sound good." So like there's never anything clever to them saying, "Oh, why don't we call ourselves this?" It's they because the, the writer doesn't know how to write actual clever dialogue. It's just here's some references I throw in. Oh, here's some um, I threw some a generator on Google and just threw some names in it to see what would throw back at me. Oh yeah, <laughs> Cheetah Girls and Spice World and Joe Rogan got thrown at me. <laughs> They have to be put in the film. Yeah. Um, we get all the vampire rules, including never turn a man because they already have enough power, says the man right in the film. Uh, and that is when we introduce, uh, we're introduced to um, <laughs> Shit Lord Shaman 89. <laughs> I forgot his... Um, the girls all agree that Laurel can join the B-Squad. The actual, the B-Squad. Um, but yeah, Shitlord Charmin 89 on Twitter. He's a troll, he's a vampire hunter, and he has a Tinder profile where he's holding a fish. How do we know he's right wing though, just by <laughs> looking at it? Yeah, just from say, just from saying Joe Rogan. Apparently, that's right away we're meant to know. Yeah, he's right also wing. wearing plaid, which is a dead giveaway because <laughs> right wingers only wear plaid. Um, <laughs> what is with that whole straight guys and fish thing? I've never understood it. Oh, it's just, it's a whole, that's the thing that bothered me. It's, so there's a lot of like men on, on Tinder and that, that just have pictures holding fish. Ooh. And when I heard the joke, I was like, but it's still written by a man. Like all these women know that. But at the same time, like, I think there was a thing a while back where this woman went out on the street, interviewed men about Tinder and would ask a few of them, do you have a picture with a fish on your profile? And they were like, what? I do. Why, why did you just ask me that? Because she caught out so many men that do just have a picture with a fish. But yeah, when it's written by a man, again, it's just like, oh, come on. Why did you have to throw that in there? Like, why does that have to be the thing as well that he has a picture with a fish? Like, oh, is that meant to be as bad as the frets online? I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I think it is, why do straight men think that having a picture with a fish will attract women? I think it's a Freudian thing. Um, and you get not too much credit. I think the larger the fish, the larger the penis. Um, <laughs> and that's why they want to show it off, because they can't show off their actual penis on Tinder and, until, you know, you get until the, me- until the messages. Until you get, like, two messages deep. Um, so if, if, you, if you can show that you can gather, uh, like a hunter-gatherer, if you can catch the biggest fish for your woman then uh, she's obviously going to uh, fall at your feet. Wow. Um, right, I need that's, to... That's uh, a great analogy. So I'm a vampire lore expert and uh, expert Straight on expert. psychology as well. Chris is actually a, he's a straight man, really. He's got, he's got Tinder <laughs> pictures with fish. Goes that's why you've been keeping all those fish. Goes out every weekend. Gets a bitch with a fish. <laughs> Oh, fuck, that's why we bought the rods for. That's, that's why we're going tomorrow. On let's not get into rods. If we're going Freudian, let's not get into rods. Okay. <laughs> um, Duke says, this is where you take the red pill or go home to Kansas. Oh my God, a fucking Matrix. <laughs> fucking Matrix reference, for fuck's sake. So, so what, was it meant to be... Sorry, is that Matrix and Wizard of Oz? Uh, yeah, thing? yeah. It's throwing them in together. Uh, Kansas? I f- oh, I thought it was an Alice in Wonderland reference. No, Kansas is Wizard of Oz. 
Yeah, Kansas is, but she don't take a fucking red pill. Yeah, no, that's the Matrix. Oh. We're mashing them together, Chris. It's no, clever I'm writing sorry. for fuck's sake. Look, you need to understand these references. You need, to, you need so to go to references. university and do film studies <laughs> and then truly appreciate this film for its pure <laughs> writing. Do you, know, do you know what year The Matrix came out? <laughs> 1999. If these are graduating at 18 years of age... In what 2019 with the yeah, yeah. yeah. that film came out before they were born. <laughs> oh, wait, no, she's a really old vampire, isn't she? But look, yeah. she was meant of to be, references are old. but also it was meant to be that um, Laurel is meant to know who the cheetah, the cheetah girls are, even though yeah. she would have been she would have been three when um, <laughs> when they were around. Well, I mean, you say this. I mean, we were in a cinema with loads of young people last night, and they were talking about um, Brian De Palma, and they were talking about The Beast. Are you familiar with The Beast, Luke? I don't think I've seen that one. No, it's, it's a film where a woman just uh, has sex with a horse for an hour and a half. No, it's not. Well, it is. It's not true. <laughs> when, when I was... Are we, am, I, am I telling this story? Please do. Okay. Please do. So when I was much younger, I would... That's um, not a way I thought I was going to start. I would... when you, sorry, you, when you were much younger, what? You would with horses? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was at least 18. No. Uh, <laughs> I would record... This is showing my age now. You're, it sounds even worse now. You would record uh, horses. <laughs> so you would, you would press record and then... It, it was a late night film, so you'd go to sleep and just leave it recording. So I don't, can't remember what the film was. But I watched it the next day, and then the next film came on afterwards, and it was called The Beast. And I was like, oh, okay, this might be a great horror film. It's not. It's an art house film where you see horses... um, Dicks. Dicks, a lot. um, And you see a woman being chased by a werewolf-style creature. Um, She climbs a tree. She loses all her clothes on the run. She ends up at this tree, tries to climb the tree, but kind of gets stuck, so her feet are dangling. Now, she's, like, moving her feet, like almost like she's swimming, and it, the beast is really enjoying this, <laughs> and her feet are, like, tickling his erection. <laughs> Until... And the effects aren't great in the film, so it looks very, very, very weird. And Until the beast ejaculates. <laughs> Why can't I find this film on IMDb? Spoiler alert! <laughs> I'm sorry. It is on IMDb. It, it would be down in the French name, so Le, Le, Le Bet. <laughs> what? Is that how you say it? Le Bet. Le Bet. Le Bet. It's been released by Arrow in the UK. It's, it's Arrow Academy. Arrow Academy. Sophisticated film. Um, but I, okay. remember, I know I was far too young to be watching shit like that at the time. And it always <laughs> stuck with me. And, and, and I purchased it and I, I showed it you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> and now it's become a bit of a reference point for um, the ridiculous films I, I tend to put on. Have you found it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has a sequel called The Beast in Space. Um, where people do have lightsabers, and I, and I think there is more horse sex in it. Um, getting back 
to the <laughs> what point was I making? Why the fuck were we just talking about the beast for ten minutes? Because you brought up young people in. Oh the yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, if the young people in the cinema last night can reference the beast, and to my, you know, shock and horror that they've actually seen it, um, then Duke, this is Duke, isn't it? Yeah, Duke can reference the Matrix. Wow. So I've just told a story about me watching the absolute filthiest film when I was far too young, just so you could make a fucking point about The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. And I look like a right weirdo. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, no, we, know, we know what films you're into way. now that you like to buy on Blu-ray as well. <laughs> I, I, do, I do tend to buy the weirdest, put the weirdest films on, don't I, Gary? Yeah, we won't go into uh, In the Round of the Census. Um, <laughs> there's one for everyone to go and look at on IMDb. Um, Duke slices shitlord Charmin 89's forehead open uh, and gives him. What are we talking about? Where are we? <laughs> what, what film? Have this? you finished talking about um, horse sex? I have, yes. Okay, yeah, I have now. Um, Duke's the horse was the beast. Yeah, but there's also a lot of horse sex in there. Close ups of a horse's dick. You do. And, and yeah. Anyway, anyway, can we edit that bit out? Thank you. No, people need to know about the beast. Cease, uh, cease and desist on that. <laughs> Thank you. It's absolutely staying in there. Um, so Duke's... <laughs> so back to shitlord Charmin89 um, and his... Uh, whatever the fuck was going on. Uh, he gets his forehead sliced open and uh, Duke gives in to Laurel. But she can't bite him as she runs away. So the girls take him into a garage... Um, where they're ambushed by a group of men, led by the old man from the bar. Uh, they catch him in traps and sets one of them on fire. Yeah, so the plaid army come out from the woodworks, <laughs> um, all wearing plaid, obviously. And um, it's a setup. And I was really fucking confused, so I didn't write any notes, I'm sorry. Well, the only note that I've written here is that the man puts her in the, um, apparently it's a, fold, you know, a folding chair. Apparently she's just... <laughs> crushed in a folding chair oh um, they're teeth and yeah it would it look more like the legs of a folding chair that you know sometimes you get your finger caught in when you're at the beach um but he calls her a snowflake before, uh, before I crushing knew, I knew even more and i was like what why why are we even getting more of this again um that oh here's here's how we're going to show even more that they're meant to be right wing <laughs> they use the word snowflake snowflake she was like, you will put the flamethrower down. I was like, your bullshit mind games don't work on me, Snowflake. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and then when she finally gets out, my favourite thing happens is he's on the floor after getting beaten up a bit. She stamps on his head. But when she crushes his whole head, he lets out a scream. <laughs> It's like that's not. <laughs> he just crushed his head and he still goes, ah! <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Laurel's supposed to have killed him before this point when she shows up and saves the day. But then, yeah, he, he screams when he gets his head crushed. <laughs> <sighs> so, Laurel. Oh, um, <laughs> the next bit that we're about to talk about is the fucking flash. <laughs> Don't even. And then, Actually, he, and then he showed up. Is, in a bizarre series of events. <laughs> Or such a man. <laughs> Laurel tells Duke that she wants to know everything, which leads to more talking shit and exposition. Um, 
I got really lost. So I think I think I've got this down. Okay, so the old man, Crazy Ralph, was oh, I can't remember the word they used. A familiar. A familiar. So he hung around vampires doing all their dirty laundry, literally dirty laundry, <laughs> wiping their asses, so that one day he could become a vampire. So what he had done was went to the Make America Great Again posse <laughs> and said, we're going to catch these vampires, we're going to get them. But that was a setup. He had set them up to make it look like a setup for the Hex Girls. Yeah. But then Duke was had set him up and killed him. So the whole idea is that it was a double cross. So he's meant... To, oh, my God. I was so confused. Yeah. Okay. Well, In a garage as well. Very Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah. Apparently, they'd do him all f- favours all day. And he in return, he'd turn them. Um, then she lists a bunch of names for someone else. We get a close-up of a safe. And then, and then Laurel says what we're all thinking. She's like, and? And. <laughs> so the whole idea that he was the familiar for Vlad... Lots of names. Um, so I will just call him Vlad. And uh, then obviously we need, because we've had no backstory for Laurel, we need to get a backstory for Duke and Vlad. Yeah, in a very bizarre series. Nin- 1970. 1970. 1970. Um, in New York. Oh. The aspect ratio changes, so we know we're starting a flashback. It's in LA. Is it LA? Yeah. I wish that she was in New York. They're in LA. It's oh, in LA. Shit. Um, so she she meets um, and, and and we're we're not bullshit anyway. This is actually what happens. She meets a vampire that she fell in love with, um, whilst Rasputin by Boney M. No, you, you need to, you need to explain it right. She's yeah. snogging someone. You're not doing it just okay. Yet. And then she's snogging someone. She gets beer poured on her head. She pulls out a knife <laughs> to stab a guy. Pushes the guy into the crowd after pulling the knife at him. Then the crowd opens up. <laughs> Vlad is there in a white suit with light shining down on him. And then Rasputin starts. And I was like, is this a parody scene right now? And then we get a nightclub scene with him dancing in his white suit while he does some disco dancing with other people. And I, I didn't know where the film had gone at this point. <laughs> yeah, was- we- it's a montage of his shit dancing and and all what you know what they consider to be sexy vampire stuff as well. Yeah. Is this the worst use of Boney M in a film ever? I can't think of any other use of Boney M. Um I'm assuming it's a big part of the budget when I'm getting the rights for it. <laughs> my my confusion was a lot. But <laughs> So we started off, she'd reached LA in the 70s, but very clearly 60s music was playing, or <laughs> 60s inspired music. Um, she was, ha- I think she ate dog food at one point, and she was established <laughs> as having to be a pro- become a prostitute to, mm. to live. Yeah. Um, so it was very... Oh very yeah, then we get, we get some cinematography there as well, as it decides to show every single sex in, but it goes just through the wall yes. into the next room over and over again. Very cheap set as well. <laughs> Very, um, oh, what's what's the film? Um, 
Oh, the one with the talking plant, singing plant. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh my but god, like, no, you give like, this way too much credit. No, like a very <laughs> cheap set of like a production of Little Shop of Horrors. The original Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Um, so we get that, and then Vlad, looking like Vince Vaughn with curtains, uh, turns up. <laughs> and then it gets this, and then you get your um, Jess Franco lesbian vampire style uh, blood all over the bed with all the ladies in their lingerie shots, and then you get in the back of a limo. All the girls, because they're meant to be the brides of Vlad, brides of Dracula. I'm, I'm assuming they weren't allowed to use Dracula, so they called him Vlad, whatever. Um, so you get all these brides in the back of a limo, dressed, dressed like, um, is it Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer? <laughs> Robert they are, Palmer. They are. Yeah. So very, very old, very old reference. And But Addicted to Love... Robert Palmer, all the girls had very sleeked back hair, very um, white pale makeup and bright red lipstick with, you know, a little black dress. And they're all dressed like that. And I got the fucking reference. But what is your audience? Like, seriously, (laughs) like, who is your audience for this film? No one under the age of, what? 30 really is gonna get that fucking reference you know i'm i'm 32 and probably i shouldn't be able to get it (laughs) i wonder what the other reference was meant to be straight off the scene where the vampire hunters do turn up and you've got like the white statue on the um on the ceiling were they trying to make it look like blade as well with that, they because probably there, were, yeah. there is the corridor in Blade where there's sort of white statues throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've referenced every other vampire film, so they might as well. Um, yeah. So all I've got after the scene is they killed the guy. Um, she stole his heart. It wouldn't burn. Um, she has it locked away and eats some every day for power. Uh, and she said that's why no man must ever become a vampire again. Um, for for shit dancing and stuff. So I feel like the whole idea, her grudge was the fact that she was, you know, I'm assuming queer and he made her his bride Mm. through um, glamour, I'm assuming. And that he was kind of, she was under his spell. She took her chance to, you know, bite him and get rid of him and, but his heart wouldn't die, so she keeps his heart in a box and eats a little every so often to take some of his power. A little, little flung-winded, but okay. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm still I'm understanding. Yeah, I'm kind of understanding. That's why Duke is the most powerful of them, because she eats a little bit of the heart. Um, the woman, uh, the, the woman, the vampire from the beginning was the first bride and therefore the most powerful bride. But because Duke is eating some of Vlad's hearts, that's why she's kept the first bride downstairs under the grate. Yeah? Yeah. Are you with me? Are you with me? I think so. Are you with us? Okay. I think we've got this. Yeah. This is when we get the line of dialogue, let men be the ones who are afraid to jog it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... I mean, yeah, as, as, as I said about this film as a whole, you know, I, I do appreciate the message it's given, but 
it, there's no taking away the fact that a straight man has wrote that fucking line. Like, it, it, he's never been afraid to jog at night. Let's face it. Like, seriously. But the, but but women do talk about that. Yeah, there, there is there yeah. is a conversation that goes on, and it's a very real thing. Mm. You know, we're all aware of it. But you know, come on, I, I keep saying this because I really fucking mean it. Give a woman some writing credit on this yeah. film and get her to look over this and deal with it much better. Yeah. You, and and it's, it's the biggest pet peeve of mine, and I've discussed it on the podcast plenty of times. Just because you're mentioning something doesn't mean you're dealing with it. You yeah. can't just throw these things out there, whether it be sexism, racism, homophobia, xenophobia. Just because you're mentioning it, just because, you know, you have somebody talk about it doesn't mean you are dealing with it properly. You know, you have to go deeper than that to make a successful film. Now, not all successful films have to deal deal with these things, you know. We can watch films for fun, um, contrary to some people's opinion. You can just watch a film for fun. <laughs> but if you're bringing this shit up, fucking deal with it, please. I need you to deal with it. Wait, have we been watching these podcast films for fun? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's good. anymore. If it doesn't feel like it, it's like the hottest day of the fucking year. With you, with you saying that, it's like um, when you look at a film like Promising Young Woman, that's written by a woman, so that's yeah. why everything in that makes sense of all the yeah. things they've spoken about, of how they're scared of going into nightclubs or getting drunk mm-hmm. in a nightclub. Because when a woman writes that, that makes sense. But when it's just a man being like, oh, they should be, the men should be scared to jog at night. It's like. Have you been speaking to women or have you just heard one experience online that that is what women are scared of? And you just thought, I'll write that in because I've heard a few women speak about it. Mm-hmm. Like not actually actually listening to, to people. It just, it just it seems very hard. Yeah, I think he got most of his material online, if I'm honest. But, but like he said, he's done his research, which, you know, a credit to him. For going out there and wanting to do research, I don't know what to what degree, but it still doesn't mean enough. No. You know, you're talking about um, these issues. You know, for for a little money at a, a a young female screenwriter's way, give her a little money and say, "Come on, let's let's make this film together." Yeah, he's just taken whatever he can off the internet and tried to make it into a film, and it just, it hasn't worked. No. I'm sorry. Um, but the next scene works, though, doesn't it? Where they go floating. Oh, the flying scene. So, with them taking the piss out of Twilight in this film, I'm like, this scene is as bad as the scene yeah. that have been in Twilight. But you want to be like, oh, I'm doing satire for that. It's like, no. When your scene is as bad as something in the films you're taking the piss out of, then you need to think about what you've been doing with yeah. your film. We'll get more amazing dialogue where Laura's like, holy shit, I can fucking fly. And then Duke says, you know Kung Fu now too. So really? No. It's the worst line delivery because it's not, it's not even delivered in a way that makes it funny. It's just like, oh, she just says that and that's it. We didn't get a flashback to the start of the film to show that dodgy accent girl um, turned a guy into a vampire. And uh, she's been living in the drain underneath the bar all along, 
that's where all the vampires go. We break the rules. Oh, sorry, I, I got ahead of myself then when I was explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was around that scene. Yeah, it was, it was around. Yeah. Um, and we find out the only thing that could kill a vampire is fire, as Duke sets a hand on fire. Yeah, yeah, but you have to burn the heart. Oh, okay. you have to burn the heart. Um, Izzy takes Laurel back to her place, and they talk shit for ages. A, a throwaway scene again. And Mark calls Laurel and moans at her for a bit on a voicemail. Um, before Laurel has a chat with uh, everybody's favourite mum. Oh yeah, she's got more drugs than me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she the mum has been like, are you, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she like to the dad, oh, your, your daughter's on the phone. Hi. <laughs> and just walks off. Like, you supposedly haven't heard from her for days. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of it is just awkward silences and you okay? And then she closes the door. And she's like, are you okay? <laughs> You've been doing drugs. You know I have more drugs than you, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it was, um, I know you want to experience an experiment, and I'm fine with you doing that, but let me know you're safe. <laughs> so, okay, bye now, but me and your dad are going to go have sex again. <laughs> oh, it's a shame we didn't get any, of, uh, any, any more conversations about parents having sex. You know, it's what we all wanted. A sex scene between the parents? No, the conversations about oh, it. Oh, we don't want to see it. Oh, um, Laurel's gay best friend Andy, uh, still in the film. Uh, he FaceTimes, yeah. He was definitely not video calling anyone. That was definitely a shot completely different. It was that, so was his, that was his audition type. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was so awkward. Um, he tells her he's visiting next week, and uh, she says she can't. He can't visit because she's going through something. And he says, "Fucking classic. I knew this shit was going to happen." And then the video call ends on a really unflattering shot for him. Him, him ro- rolling his eyes backwards. Bless him. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, she, he, she says she's going through something, and he says, so am I. And then, like, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. We know that now. We don't know what it is, but we know that now. Is he a vampire too? <laughs> um, it's revealed that shitlord Charmin89 is still alive. Um, playing poker with all his vampires and friends, isn't he? Yeah, the the plaid warriors are uh, playing poker. This is where I had to turn subtitles on. <laughs> because <laughs> they get there, the alarm goes off, which is a noise that you can just get from um, iMovie um, that starts <laughs> playing in the film. And they say, get the charges and napalm. <laughs> napalm? What? Are you about to just... What are you about to do? Why have you got napalm in you? They do know they could just burn the vampires and kill them that way. <laughs> um, you, don't need but... to, you don't need to go to almost probably killing more people with throwing <laughs> napalm. But it's too late because the vampires burn them all alive. Um, Laurel leaves... Yeah, that, that, that issue was resolved quite quickly, yeah. wasn't it, actually? I, I have to say, I was like, well, what happened? <laughs> And it was like some sort of head went flying through the window and then... Oh, yeah, they had it. They were like... And then she says the line, and they think we don't use weapons. (laughs) (laughs) They've got napalm too. But then I I wrote a few notes and looked away and then looked up and Dina changed. I thought, oh, what's happened here? We're taken to a scene where Mark is hanging out with his cool friends uh, whilst Lauren is leaving. And then this is where we get the whole... 
I had, I'd be hanging out with Spice World 2 if I was you, Call of Duty. And it's like, yeah, okay, great. Mark's an arsehole, we know by now. Thank but you. This is so, so weird because he's there and he's like, oh, am I not cool enough to hang out with? <laughs> yeah. You always used to hang out with me. You know, all your favourite bands were my favourite bands. All of that stuff. Cheetah, Cheetah, Cheetah Girls. Cheetah Girls. <laughs> we loved them. Uh, he seemed a, a little disheartened that she didn't want to hang out with him, which is completely contradictory to, you well, know, he, he the switches, end of the doesn't he, with the, um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is straight away with, oh, just Call of Duty. Like, he forgets that that <laughs> conversation's happened. She's off, and then they're like, all right. I would she... hate to be that extra that just had to nod his head oh, I know. <laughs> duty. he just nods his head and points at him and I'm like oh mate you just got asked to be in this film and all yeah. you've done is sat in, a, sat in a chair and had to point at someone to agree that, to play Call of Duty <laughs> he definitely has that on the CV um, <laughs> <laughs> she goes to someone's house I don't fucking know but she's with Duke and she's like what no cuffing so no, why did we do that? She's like, because uh, it's dope. No, Duke has sent her up with an apartment. Oh, actually. Yeah, yeah and there's just a mattress on the floor. Just a mattress on and the floor. And that's why she says the whole coffin thing. Yeah, she's upset she hasn't got a dope coffin. Um, we get a montage of men being shit. Um, a guy talking about whether or not a man can be a feminist and the girls partying, uh, which then leads to Roya killing a cop and spray painting Mr. Kitty on the wall. Uh, and is he killing the feminist guy? And then but someone skate- skateboarding over to yeah. the man that's dead on the floor with Mr. Kitty and then just being like, oh, he's all right, he's just sleeping. Even though he's got blood coming out of his neck and then just goes <laughs> off. <laughs> but this, this is my point. Did you did you see... So there was a peeping Tom as well, wasn't there? In yeah. Of, uh... Oh, yeah, looking through the window with the balaclava and then Duke just turns up at the side of him. Yeah, and, and then there him. was... Also, I believe a reference to um, a sexual assault. Yeah. Do you see where she was passed out on the bed? Oh and yeah, and then it just had the guy meant to be pretending to be passed out. Yeah. The guy stood um, outside the room, and then he walks in, and then she bites his neck, and then someone else goes to walk in the room, and the blankets over the top, so it looks like uh, yeah. sex happening in there. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I hate to dead horse but uh where where did that come from actually oh, we don't need to know about your horse sex thing. Yeah, <laughs> not this again <laughs> uh, but again you know just showing it doesn't mean you're dealing with it yeah. it's so annoying it yeah, really and, annoyed me that month and it's not it's not the sort of thing to just put in as a throwaway scene either well, that scene doesn't yeah it doesn't really make sense because the guy stood outside the door but it's in a corridor where so many people are walking past and he just yeah. kept, keeps on pe- peeking in at the passed out woman. Wouldn't other people sort of be like, what are you doing, mate? Why are you just yeah. outside this room peeking in there? It just it just feels really badly done. Like, why have you got so many extras in that part but they're not saying anything? Yeah. And we already know that the, the cheetah girls go around killing men that are shit. We already know this. We don't need to be shown this as well. You know, I mean, if you're going to do it, and do it properly, but no, it's just throwaway scene. I, su- I suppose, really, the, the idea, from, from my perspective, is that one of the guys, the guy that's talking 
shit, uh, the art gallery. Yeah. I suppose the, the the question is, did he really deserve to die just because he was talking a load of, you know, just because he was talking shit, do, does that necessarily mean he needs to die? Well, he was doing that thing that the director blatantly does, where he's like, oh yeah, feminist, I know all about feminism. Yeah, but, but then who's who's worse? Him, you know, chatting yeah, it's, it's that he weird. doesn't know about. Yeah. Or the people who kill him for it. Which well, would be an interesting they, idea in any other film. It's weird that they put it side to side with someone being sexually assaulted that's as well. That's the thing. That's, you know, it's not really work. on the same level, is yeah. it? Um, Andy texts Laurel a bunch of sad and angry emojis. Um, <laughs> that part, oh, it doesn't make sense because she's not replied to any of them. Then you see no. about ten just different emojis. <laughs> um, yeah, just to remind us that it's a modern film. Duke tells Laurel she has to feed. So... <laughs> Laurel walks home and meets a girl called Cece, who is thrown upon the pavement and informs Laurel that her name is Cece. Like, two C's together. C. C. So, she tries to fight her, but she gets away and Duke gets her instead. And Duke is now really bored with the way Laurel is, um, which just came out of nowhere, because they were like best friends in the scene before. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting, this scene with Cece is that essentially what Laurel is doing is taking advantage of a drunk girl. Yeah. Which would make an interesting idea in, in any other film. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 I mean, that's, that's an interesting idea. She's kind of become what they're against. Yeah. That's interesting. But it don't deal with it. No. It just, like, okay. Carry on. I think you probably just put more were. thought into that than the actual writer Yeah, I feel like that wasn't actually... I feel like you've... Yeah, because you've looked at it like that, and that makes sense, but I feel like the director wasn't looking at it like that. No. I feel like they just had a drunk woman, and that was the same because, oh, that's someone that she can buy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but it would be an interesting idea to it would, deal with. It would be. It would be a better film. Um, Mark texts Laura and tells her to come home because it's been an emergency uh, and we find out that Andy tried to kill himself um, again this is a, a serious issue that's just a throwaway scene we, we don't hear about Andy again it's some, some form of a plot point yeah. isn't it um, which doesn't but I don't actually think it was necessary no it wasn't just an, maybe an angry voicemail would have sufficed yeah. did he have to you know and then we get oh he tried to kill himself with painkillers how is he his liver is fucked but he'll be okay <laughs> well, um well probably not no no why is this so throwaway if, if his liver's fucked he's gonna have to have like a tube put in to just yeah. be able to things yeah but the, the writer decided we, we don't give a shit about Andy, so we move on to Mark talking about himself uh, and aggressively telling uh, Laurel that he needed to tell her in person about it. Laurel tells him that she thinks she needs some help. Mark tells her he's not going to help her. And then we get this dialogue exchange. What do you think of moving so fucking far away? What, to be an actor? Well, clearly not. It's not working out, is it? <laughs> He, he moved away because of Laurel and all, all of her drama, but insists that he's not embarrassed by her. Uh, and then this is when he says, maybe if you weren't out kicking ass with the Tudor girls, you would have fucking noticed. And he calls her a selfish bitch, so she bites him. Yeah, so his issue is that 
complete opposite to how I perceived his character to be for the rest of the film is that he was fed up of whenever anyone spoke to him would always ask how's Laurel first is she okay um, the fact that it was always about Laurel and Laurel's issues and nobody cared about him and how he felt about it all um, which would make sense if we'd actually established any of what happened yeah so i was just i was really confused i was like what is this change in character why do we have this change in character laurel eventually bites him which creates the the, the rest of the, the film so i understand it's a plot point but it, it just does it makes no sense because that isn't the character we've had before this point and what he's saying in my, because I, I obviously I didn't read IMDb beforehand, unfortunately. Um, so what he was saying again made no sense because no. the film hadn't established anything. So it's like, okay, so he's saying that, you know, everyone asked about Laurel. What were they asking? I've got no idea what happened. Yeah, because yeah, all they say is the um, popping pills, like saying they've taken loads of pills, but that doesn't really, like, why would everyone have known that as well? That they were yeah. just taking pills all the time. Yeah, and, and this if is... this issue had been the transition, mm. then she should have just killed him again. That's a, a very interesting idea for the film to deal with, and you know, you, you would want to, to deal with that properly. Um, but again, but then it, it doesn't make sense it. for the ending where he's turned into some kind of good guy when he's there moaning about you know all the attention she's been getting and everything and making it all about him. I'd rather than just be killed. Would you not? Kill them all off. <laughs> just set them all on fire. <laughs> well, she takes him to the Cheetah Girls for help. Um, and Duke looks at him. She's met him before. She's like, is that who I think it is? Well, yeah, of course it is. Like, who the fuck else is it? Well, he's fully dressed now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> this is when it's revealed that there is no cure. She wanted the cure to help the brother, but there's no cure. They were just going to kill her originally. And this is when Royer says, tough titties, kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, Duke tells Laurel to kill Mark or they will. So what does Laurel decide to do? She decides to slit her throat over the grate. To unleash dodgy accent girl. Dodgy accent girl. Um, who bites Izzy, sets off a pink smoke grenade and awakens the shitty dancer vampire. We needed him back, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, um, that's. I understood now why his whole part earlier in the film just had music over the top of it. Yeah. Because as soon yeah. as he started talking, I was like, now I understand why he didn't have any dialogue earlier on, because this <laughs> is horrendous acting. It's, it's essentially, and an, like Vince Vaughn with Curtains, has tried to do an impression of Serene McKellen <laughs> doing Hamlet at the Globe Theatre. If you turned to, to him and said, do an impression <laughs> of a Shakespeare play, I feel that's what Vince Vaughn would do. Yeah. I think what, so. um, what movie was he referencing? I have no idea. Because when he goes, when he goes um, what movie is it where they say, and it's like, like he says a whole quote, I searched yeah. up that whole quote. Nothing came back. Yeah. 
Well, it's like uh, the, the life in the movie. Most people will never know what they were capable of. Um, what? What film's that? Well, how long had he been gone for? Well, I kind of feel like it's an MCU reference or a comic book movie of some sort. It can't be. Hasn't he been... It hasn't he been gone since what seventies? Seventies, yeah. Uh, well, no, it must be the eighties because of the Robert Palmer reference. Well, I when I googled it, it just came up with inspirational quotes. Inspiration. <laughs> or some inspirational. Th- oh, it's terms of endearment. There we go. <laughs> Maybe it was he was referencing Hamlet. Um, it might have been. Say. Might have been. Or uh, um, Alfred and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <Alfred> and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Um, yeah, he then proceeds to um, to have a bit of a bitch about Duke and uh, tells the girls that he can feel his glamour in the air. And there's he one... then just goes on and on and on and on and on. Just... There's one thing that really annoyed me with the set design, and I don't know why I look at these things, but what was the club meant to be called? Was it meant to be like a club that did everything like music and that? Yeah. Because there's, yeah, a, ne- playing. there's a neon sign... That is meant to be comedy, but it's spelt C O M D Y. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> and it's just it's just in the right hand corner when oh, they do a side a side shot of him. I'm like, how did you still put up that neon sign when you were in set design and think, yeah, that looks good? No one noticed. Absolutely, no one noticed it. Like, how could it not notice no. that? I suppose maybe they did, but you know, low budget. Can't go, can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> We got the neon sign now. That cost us one hundred and fifty dollars. Can't, <laughs> can't get a new one. We <laughs> got it on Betsy. You know, no refund. <laughs> um, this is when we find out that Duke's the real villain, don't we? Yeah which, which, yeah, yeah, which makes Vlad not the real villain. It's so confusing. Um, yeah, he offers Duke a night out on the town and offers to dress her up all nice and foxy. Uh, but decides to kill her instead. Pulls out her heart and burns it. Yeah. Only burns it a little. Yeah. Um, Laurel shows up and he says, Who do we have here? I suppose it is the new millennium. What? Who's... Who we got here? Lizzie McGuire? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Hannah Montana? <laughs> we got Tracy Baker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. British. <laughs> So she she was really annoyed that he called her Tracy B because she sets him on fire. Uh, yeah, sorry, but what is in her mouth? Does I she have, have no petrol, idea. Does she have petrol in her mouth? Because she goes, she puts her hand out and blows it in his face. It's the which... Everclear. So so the whole idea is that the cure was actually Everclear, which is a very flammable substance. So that's what she spits out. So when the camera cuts to the empty bottle on the floor, I'm surprised you didn't see this. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I shouldn't have to explain everything for you, Ben. I do remember that now, but no, it's just I didn't. I remember her dropping it, but I was just. I just seemed that they didn't show it for a little while at first. Yeah. And she just blew it in his face, and you didn't really know what had happened. But yeah. And so then he sets completely on fire. So you're an expert on Everclear as well. Yeah. Well, I thought Everclear was a band. If I'm being honest with you. I um, thought I thought it was the um, nail varnish remover for a moment, but that's I can't remember what that is. That's ever something. Oh yeah, I mean every every place some uh, some sort of form of alcohol, a very flammable substance. I thought it's a Will Young song. Yeah, that's what she blew in his face—a Will Young song. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> evergreen. 
Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate the reference. I did not appreciate that reference. Oh, okay. Sorry, were you Team Gareth Gates? No, I wasn't. I wasn't Team at either, to be fair. Oh. Anyway, so... That was straight back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy watching The Fucking Beast. I wasn't watching Pop Idol. I was watching from Vamp- uh, Werewolves. Bonkers. All right, you didn't have a childhood then. No Pop Idol. <laughs> um... So yeah, so we find out Laurel's a big, uh, she was Team Will Young. And, a big uh, Will <laughs> And then she says, so what do you say, girls? We've come up with new rules. And then we cut straight to her brother going, so vampires, huh? No, 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 we, no you, way too much credit. You've just, you've just missed out a massive section again. Have I? They get in the car, the brother's been bitten on the neck, he was laying down in the bar before, but he's driving his sister somewhere who's just slit her throat. But apparently he's now absolutely fine and can drive the car. He's not in pain anymore. They go to the Hollywood sign and then he puts on sunglasses. You got dragged out of your home after getting bitten in the neck. Why did you just have sunglasses in your pocket? It's true. It's like I know you're meant to be referencing Lost Boys or all the other vampire films where someone puts on sunglasses. This doesn't make any sense because you wouldn't have... Why did you just have them on you? The yeah. amount you could have thrown around and stuff, those sunglasses would have been smashed if you had them in your pocket. It's true. Well, what annoyed me most about this was the fact that Laurel apologises to him for everything and then gives him a motivational vampire talk. What the fuck are you apologising to him for? I mean, apart from biting him and turning him into a vampire. But like, if she's apologised for everything, so what, all the drama and everything for what he was moaning about... Fuck and he then know. says, he then says, I don't want to drink blood. And she goes, we'll sort something out. What are you going to sort out? It's like, oh, we're going to explore it. Oh, we'll sort something out. We'll sort it out. Would anything be more? Um, we'll get you a... We'll get the theme for the vegan vampire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you something from Uber Eats. We'll find it on that. <laughs> oh, oh, we're woke, we are. We, we don't drink blood anymore. <laughs> We just drink monster energy, monster energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she gives him a motivational vampire talk, and uh, he's like, Would you like to hear the mo- motivational no, vampire talk? No, but go on. I picture a world where we're all vampires and then we'll be forced to deal with each other. Lovely. Um, so that was about it. <laughs> He says, so what it. do we do now? And she says, maybe what everyone with power should do and never does, we'll share it. Oh. So, yeah, he puts on his sunglasses like a cool dude. Like um, to teach the world <laughs> in perfect harmony. <laughs> Laurel licks a piece of the heart and shares it with all the other girls. And then... <laughs> But his, that's the thing. That's the thing that doesn't make sense with this scene, is they've all been like a normal human color still. Yeah. But he is completely pale. Like the brother <laughs> is completely pale, and is stood next to them. It's like, why did he turn completely pale? But they're still just their normal skin color. Like, what's <laughs> happened? What's happened there? <sighs> it's, it's because. It... Uh, no, I don't know. I ain't gonna try. Um, yeah. So when the film ends, we were given one last bizarre series of events. Uh, uh, do you want me to? Yeah. Do you want me to read you what it what it is? Do you want me to Please say do. it? Please, Please do. Well, that was fun. I hope they make a fourth movie. 
of, of, um, I hope they make more of these, and I promise there's no way I can get pregnant in the fourth one. <laughs> I messed that up. I didn't even... I said fourth moment. He still did it better than the actual um, one, so... <laughs> take two. Because, yeah, do you know what they're referencing there again? Twilight. Twilight, because she gets Twilight. pregnant in the fourth movie. Yeah, that's an actual, <laughs> actual narration over the end of this shitty film. And that's the thing, and I, I will say, I, I don't... Um, I, when it's an older film, I find a little... I'm a little... I feel... I can't even get my words out. It's fucking boiling. It's the hottest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now, it's the hottest day of the year. Watch the news. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but I feel with older films less guilty about making fun of them with new films i feel a little guilty because i feel like they're you know they're trying and he's trying to do something and it hasn't worked and we've spent an hour and a half ridiculing it um, but i i feel a bit guilty about that but then less guilty when at the end of his film he and at the beginning of the fucking film as well, he's decided to ridicule somebody else's work as well. So I don't feel guilty that we've just spent a long time making fun of this. <laughs> well, that yeah, that's the thing that it doesn't make any sense as to why he would do that. And also, they do voiceover at the start for like ten seconds. So then to have voiceover again at the end yeah. makes you go, what? Why? Yes. Is- what, who are they talking to now? Because they spoke to us for 10 seconds at the start to say, here's where my story starts. If you had a dumb voiceover for the rest of the film, then yeah, this line would have make, made sense. Because in Kick-Ass, like, you have a voiceover the whole film yeah. and it, it pokes at other movies or whatever and makes you understand. Like All the films that always have voiceover throughout make you know that this is a movie that you're watching. But with this, it's like it makes every single character say a line like, Oh my! My life's kind of like a horror movie. This isn't a movie. It's like, like why you? It just doesn't work with no, this. At all. I would have. I think I would have liked, uh, like at the end of the Breakfast Club, with that oh, well, just, person, yeah. where you have your established characters: the nerd, the weirdo, and with this film, they could have done the vampire girl, the vampire girl. The... <laughs> The vampire girl, the vampire guy, uh, the vampire guy, the vampire. Oh, and then they play Rasputin. We've got they play to establish any again. characters. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. <laughs> so that's bit. That's bit. Um, bit. bit shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's uh, again. I appreciate what they're trying to do. And I, I do think it's great that, you know, all these trans actors got work. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's not good. So I, I, I just want to do this. Um, Luke, when we upload onto whatever we upload on, well, Gary does it all for me. But when it gets uploaded, we give it a nice, funny title, which is usually based around some form of pun. <laughs> So, I would like to ask you what uh, title you think Bit should get. Um, the Cheetah Girls. The Cheetah <laughs> the, bit, the, bit, thinking, the Bitter Girls. Uh, the Bitter Girls. Young Woman. Unpromising. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> I mean, now you mention that, 
you chose the wrong episode to mention it on because it's Pride Month, so I don't do funny names. Oh no! <laughs> so Pride, yeah, Pride a... Month just needs to be um, Pride <laughs> starting Pride with a straight man film. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> it's included because of the cast. Let's, let's say that. Um... <laughs> I, I wish, yeah. When I searched it up, queer horror. Now I wish I hadn't picked this one. <laughs> Mansplaining the movie. Man, yeah. That's that's something they didn't mention in the film. Mansplaining. Yeah. Well, that's because the, the director was doing that for the whole fucking <laughs> film. Um. So yeah, what a way to kick off Pride Month. Um. Some good old trash. Thankfully, next week we're talking about something good. <laughs> next. <laughs> next week we're talking about Serial Mum, the John Waters film. We are. We'll be joined by the Spilling Guts podcast for that one. Uh, continuing our tradition, well, tradition, I started it this year, but it'll be tradition now, having <laughs> LGBTQ plus guests on the podcast. One week Prime. does not make a tradition. Well, it does now, it does now. I, I don't make the rules, I just imply them. Um, yeah, so if uh, we're on social media... Let's not get into wrong with that sentence. If you're on social media... Um, if you're in social media... Oh, if you're on social media, follow us on Tracy Beaker fans... <laughs> One, two, if you've three. seen Bit, if you've seen Bit, let us know what you think. Um, we're on Horrorcore Trash on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. Uh, if you listen on iTunes and you're not the director of Bit, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, like or follow on everything else. I'm Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd. Twitter and Instagram. And Luke, where can we find you? What you got coming up? Exciting. Um, <laughs> I haven't got gigs until September and October, so that's that's exciting. That's exciting. Going well, going well for me. Um, but yeah, just on TikTok the most, putting jokes and comedy there. So just vegan Luke on there, and Twitter and Instagram, same username on it's all very the ways. Good. I, mean, I mean, I downloaded TikTok. We were we were a bit. We thought we were too old for TikTok. <laughs> well, me personally, <laughs> pushing for fifty over here. Um, but we downloaded it, and they're very good. They're very good. Yes. Highly recommend. And, and that's not like recommend like how we recommend the films on here. We don't recommend <laughs> them for the same reason. <laughs> what a real trash to piece. <laughs> we recommend this in a good way. Yeah, we recommend some <laughs> shit on this podcast. This is actually good. Well, we're not we're not meant to be recommending them to watch bit, are we? We're saying um, no. Don't add this to your Pride Month viewing schedule. My problem is is the the fact that we've done a podcast on a film is that I kind of want people to watch it, or it's just being really nasty about. <laughs> well, if anyone does want to watch it, it's on Prime. Yeah, so. yeah, it is on Prime, so you don't have to really pay for it. Well, you pay seven ninety nine a month. But... <laughs> so yes, we'll I'm see. Sure Jerry Maguire's on Prime as well. So watch Jerry Maguire afterwards. Get your money's worth. Pride month for Prime. Well, Jerry Maguire's not a gay. We're not going to watch gay the whole month. We did last year. There's not that many gay films. Anyway, there? so right, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. <laughs>